You can feel the stirring of God of what He's doing in the Spirit, and we need to be obedient to that. Let's turn to the Word of God. I would like to share scripture that God laid on my heart this morning, um, and we'll get there. Let's go to Exodus 3. We'll visit the Old Testament a bit. Exodus 3, verse 7. We're going to go there. I'm going to read out of the New King James, uh, just for clarity. There are different versions to this. The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry. Because of the taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the list goes on. Jump with me to verse uh, 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Verse 11, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? 12, So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And verse 13, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I have sent me to you. I want to just pause a moment for verse, with verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I? Now, you've got to understand the background story here. This life of this man spans over 40 years of what has been captured. He comes before God. Now, firstly, <laughs> I was reading this. I'm like, oh, it's so nice just to have this conversation with God. Just there. That's it. And you know what? what? What that speaks about is what God is still saying today is, I want to commune with you. It's not impossible just to have this conversation. And some of us, too. Someone's like, is it my thinking? I'm not sure. Am I thinking this way? It's God. Because there's times you just have this conversation. Just like this. You're driving, you're sitting somewhere, you're just sup- and it's just a conversation. And it's so beautiful. And, and the idea of what some people believe, oh, you know, I must just go in my inner room, I must put on some cream, and then I come before the Lord, and when I'm done with that cream, and I've, I haven't eaten for days, I can talk to the Lord. Seriously, some people still have that religious spirit. We have direct access to God. Instantly. Just so. And and listen, there are times, and why I'm saying this, which we're going to talk through later, is there are times in our lives that we go through so many things. And we wait for that special moment of when I come to church, I want the pastors and the elders to pray with me and for me. Uh, Yes, and that is right. We must pray for you for your healing as elders. There's other things we must pray for as leaders. But there's times you can declare and pray for yourself. 
Doesn't need a pastor, doesn't need a title, doesn't need somebody who's fasted for 21 days and who's speaking a certain way. And why I'm saying that is we've been robbed of this direct access we have before God. Because of an understanding of, oh, you know, I'm not fit enough. And that's the enemy. Because look what happened here. Verse 11, Moses said to God, who am I? Now listen, he's come through hard stuff. The, some commentator says here that after 40 years, is he getting old now that he's starting to say, who am I? In actual fact, some commentators say, it seems like the older you get and the more knowledge you have on God, the more you, re- you feel inadequate to do things. I can hear some people say, yeah, that's bad. Amen. Yeah, it's truth. But it's true. Because truthfully, the more you learn to know God, is the less of yourself stands out there. But there's also the time when the enemy plays with that. Now, I don't know what the time frame here was, and it would have been good to know of this conversation between Moses and God and saying, who am I? Did he come the next day and say, you are? Was it on that day? Because there was a dialogue happening. Because truthfully, this same identity of some of us of today, we are still struggling with, who am I? Who am I in Christ? Because we must understand we are more than enough. In him, not just in ourselves. No, no, come, let's separate the two. Because otherwise it's going to be slanted. We are more than enough in Christ. Otherwise we're going to works of, oh, you know, I must do this. Now, firstly, Bible studies are great. To have that equipping is amen. To study further is great. To get your degree, diploma, qualifications, great. To finish your matric, great. We're adding knowledge to the skill. But here's the part that doesn't qualify you in light of what God says who you are. The only thing that qualifies you is to accept him as Lord and Savior into your life. That's it. Nothing extra. Nothing extra. Only one requirement. Just receive, call on the name of the Lord, receive him him as Lord and Savior. Here's the part. And once you walk out your salvation and you are baptized in the Spirit and baptized in water, you will move with the dominus power of God, meaning the same power that is in Jesus Christ that raised him from the dead now exists in you. That exact same power. It's that same power that when Jesus went, and, and Johann sent this a while back as an email to Sheldon and myself, it was a very good question. When Jesus spat on the ground and healed the blind man, what was so significant about that? Because he could have just laid his hands and healed the blind person, and eye sockets was empty, and, and, and the person received sight. Here's what happened. It's in the earth, firstly, we must understand there is life. I know Warren is here. Yesterday we laid his, his, his father-in-law to rest, the body of his father. And so when we come to a funeral, the body we see there, that's it. It's just the framework. The person is not there. The person absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Just so. Absent from this body. Now there's a graduation that has taken place. All we've got to do is the Bible requires of us is to commit that body back to earth. And that's a committal. Some was cremated and some is at the graveside. That's okay. So when we speak, the person is no longer there. And why God has allowed us to do that is because of the spirit that is eternal. And it's that that we have to understand that we are physical beings, but we are more than that. We are more spiritual than physical. Because this body is going to fail us. 
There's things that this body will do that is like to some of you this morning. Yeah, it's not getting into gear. Uh, I can feel like a Robocop. Hey, it's hard. I'm talking about myself now more than others here. Because you, did I ever think I'm going to get there? I said to Tracy this morning, I was standing, I said, just lay your hands on my hip. Because yo, something happened to my hip this morning. Now I could be spiritual and say, is there anybody who needs healing for your hip? I know your God is a... I know for me, yes, I've got to do some stuff, man. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get done there. I'm going to make things lighter. I get it. Ah, no judgment here. Bring judgment on yourself first. That's all I'm saying. Watch the space. But yeah. But we've got to understand this, is that as this body has been borrowed to us, it says, be a steward of it. Physical exercise is good, but spiritual exercise is even better. And it's spiritually that we've got to equip ourselves. And this is what this message is about this, this morning, is how are we spiritually equipping ourselves to live on this earth, not as spiritual beings, because we're not there yet. It's part of our lives, because you know, uh, yeah, yeah, no, you can't talk to me, you know, um, yeah, the Lord showed me that I must do, and, and we get people, that we've, we've seen that, and they are so heavenly minded, with no, or skin daimos. And we're not doing it, saying it as judgment. Be careful what kind of Christianity we live out there. Because people want to see real Christians. Real Christians going through stuff. Real people who can identify, oh, you know, I don't have money. Yeah, yeah, no, the Lord is my providing strength. And in the meantime, you have the of faith in what God is doing, and you're just putting up a front. Let's not do that. People are tired of that kind of Christianity being displayed. And some people had enough of that. And so our Christianity gets tested. Our walk with the Lord gets tested. We see a younger generation coming through who's asking questions that are hard for us as Christians because it is required of us to understand what does this mean. Because Christianity does not mean being born again, blood washed, everything is going to go smooth sailing. Yeah, I'm in the safe and promised land. And forget there are valleys. And Psalm 23 talks about that. It doesn't matter what we go through. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your faith, now you've got to understand what happens in your spirit comes alive. Because that's got to be activated. And by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what we do here as a church, we get that activation right first to do this walking out and to do justice in what we need to do. In October, as a group of men, we are coming together. Uh, we haven't advertised this for a while, and this is not just an advert. This is truly an understanding of why we're going away in October. For those who haven't registered, there's a link. You can ask someone at the info desk there. Um, you can get in touch. Caleb is here. Caleb, don't you want to stand for us because I like your top firstly, but also just connect with Caleb for those that are new. Speak to Caleb after the service. It's 800 rand for this camp. But the part I want to mention is that part of us is also understanding the life of this church and why we're going to take some men away later is to understand what our position and our authority is as men. It's been challenged in this world today. I'm not going to go there. I'm not yet. Because you know what? We need to understand God's word and order and what it means to be a man leading your home. We've got to understand. And some is taken out of context. A study... I did a few years ago at university. I chose the topic of that scripture that uh, a man has authority over his wife and what that looks like. 
I went to go and do some research with my friends who are born again, blood washed, has uh, theological degrees and diplomas, and asked them certain questions as part of the research. They found that very challenging because of the misnomer we have of what that authority and position means. We need to understand, and Sheldon spoke, preached on this a long, long time ago. We can't have authority over you, but when we have authority for you. And as a leadership, we understand that. We can't lord, oh, you know, we are elders here, and you've got to listen to what we say. You don't hear that from us. What you do hear is our hearts of serving you and with you. But we also understand that we stand in the position and authority that God has called us to. And as a father and as a man leading your home, that authority comes with weight and responsibility and a requirement. Are we always going to get it right? High corner. We're not always going to get it right. And it gets tested. The language that has been used out there today. Um, I was going to mention something that was mentioned in my home recently, but I don't want to get into trouble. I get evaluated after this message. <laughs> so I want to grade quite high. So, um, yeah, anyway, I got four evaluators after this message has been <laughs> message. I'm just saying. Ah, no. oh, listen to that's good. Because <laughs> you're not receiving it afterwards. <laughs> uh, but, but truthfully, there's a language that is going out here that is toxic. A language that is attacking the position and authority that is taking place in the church. And we've got to understand that. And we've got to be prepared on how, how to deal with that. Let me move on. And so Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who are you? We see that ad for some of you watching. Do you know who I am? And they announce over the, over the, the, um, the airport, uh, do anyone know who he is? <laughs> and you normally find it's people who's got quite a bit of influence when they get somewhere and they quite feel they're important and say, oh, do you know who I am? I've seen it in the church also. A few years ago, we had a conference here. Kathleen was standing in the parking area with the little serving bib, and there was a pastor that I know who wanted to park by the pastors. And um, then Kathleen said, if you don't mind, we fall, go down that way. And the person said to Kathleen, do you know who I am? And she said, no, I don't, but I think you need to park on that side. <laughs> she didn't, he didn't know who Kathleen was. Kathleen sits next to Sheldon. They introduced this at the conference. He's sitting down there as a pastor. She's looking at him and waving. <laughs> yeah, be careful, eh? I still remember that. And it could have only happened to someone like Kathleen. But as a Christian, we need to know who we are. We need to understand our calling, our position, and where we stand. We mustn't be wavered by any little thing and just test it, because that's the big thing. When Jesus was, after the fast time of fasting, he went away. The enemy came in Matthew 5, and it, it says there, if you say, who do you say you are? You know, why don't you turn those stones into bread? See what the enemy still does? Notice here, Moses is saying, Lord, um, who am I? that you should go to Pharaoh. Now, sometimes it's the enemy, and sometimes it's us. Now we must be careful. The enemy plants a seed. Over time, he doesn't tell you who you are. He just plants a seed by the falling. Now, now I'm going to... So when I was thinking through this, I was thinking of a few things. The sermon is about, I had enough? No. Because some people say in the relationship, I just had enough. You know, genoeg is genoeg now. Or is it, I am enough? Mm, not really. 
in Christ, he is enough and that makes us more than enough. And why I'm saying that is because have you seen this in relationships and in our Christian walk? I had enough, Lord. I th- we throw up our hands. I've been there too. I'm like, I had enough of this life. I had enough of these things. I had enough of this. And we complain before God. And the enemy likes that. Because when you question your position, and when you shift yourself out of the call that God has called you, he can run amok with you. Because it's there that his playing ground is best suited at the conditions. For example, negativity as to who God is in your life, but he's your source and your provider. He is more than enough. Yeah, but Edel, you don't know my bank balance. You don't know what I'm going through right now. Yes, we understand that on this earth we will go through these things. But when God says he is more than enough, we've got to trust him fully. What does it look like in our Christian walk? What does it look like when the stuff hits all over the show? Oh, sorry, I was thinking Christian thoughts here. Because what does it look like? And we've got to be careful that we don't get caught up in the enemy's tactics and, and things in where he plays around. I'm going to read something to you, and then I'm going to play something as well in a few moments. One writer says, said, I know you are tired standing next to measuring sticks, not reaching high enough, not being enough. But may I tell you something, that you are using the wrong tools. I never chose those methods. Those are not my ways. I don't care what the world is telling you, how what you do defines you or who you are, how what you own reflects your worth, as some people would say. No, my child, no a thousand times. You are a person of worth, not for what you do, not for how you look, not for what you own, not even for who you know. I don't use the tools the world uses. They are of no value to me. You are a person of worth. I take delight in you. I value you. Not only sometimes, not when you lose a few pounds, thank you, Lord, or get a raise or accomplish something that makes the world clap. Today, now, you are valued. You are precious. You are enough. And this person wrote a poem as God speaking over us. We are more than enough. I want to ask him to play this song. I sent it to the elders a few weeks ago. I'm not going to And going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through whom who strengthens me. And for some of us, this scripture has become so true and real. That in all circumstances... And but it comes from a heart of contentment, that I'm content. And I said to the Lord a few years ago, Lord, I'm content with where I am. It means that there's still things that I would like to do, but for now I come from a position of being content, meaning that I'm content in you, because in you I have everything. And so the next part of this testimony, I actually firstly didn't know my parents was going to be here today, so it's quite nice to see them. They'll tell you that they are my parents. They're sitting at the back there just in hiding. And when my dad will tell you his name is also Edel. And so I'm known as Edel Jr. For those who know um, our family dynamics, they call me Edel Chi, which is Clay Edel. How great is that? Because I'm a great 
No, it's just El Chi. Uh, so it's nice to see my parents here. And so part of the testimony is a few weeks ago, uh, Johan came to me and he said to me, you know, I got a few stuff of a building site and he gave me some things and it was over time. We kept it. Um, and there's a few others here that God led in our lives and just gave things randomly. Where we are right now and as we still... Um, renovating the home. It's been going on for a month and a half, maybe a bit, a month. So we, we're not in the house, firstly. We had to move out. It was what we thought we were just going to move out for a day or a few hours. became days, and that is how this worked out. We got the guy, we decided we we're going to do the windows, blah, 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 because we just want to replace everything and get it done. And uh, we took a step of faith. Financially, Tracy and I, we said, God, you know what? You've done this before with us. You know where we're going. You're going to make sure that we will sort this out. And, and we used wisdom through that. And it so happened that in the background, certain people were giving certain things to myself or to others, and it somehow got passed on. And uh, when we started the first day, we thought we were going to do one room at a time and then move around, and the girls were still sleeping. It was so terrible because we had to get all the girls awake early in the morning, and you can see how happy my home was that morning. I was excited to move up because I woke them quite early. So can you picture the excitement in your own house for that time? And it so happened they had to go somewhere, and then Godfrey said to us, listen, I've got a friend. I'm just doing something for him, but don't you just want to come and look for the day if... if the guys want to hang out there with the girls. And we went with Godfrey. And we're like, dude, what do you mean hang out here? Can we maybe use it? And Godfrey said, yeah, use it for as long as you need to. According to me, Godfrey, I'm getting this right. No. Okay, for a few while, until the renovation takes place. So we are staying in the marina right next to Andy and Anna. And we're on the flay. And so every day, you wake up like you're on holiday. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, Lord, for your provision. Because now for more than a month, God has found us an opportunity. Now, listen, I didn't know. We said to God, what were we thinking in terms of staying? We just thought room by room we'll move and sleep. But then we found out we had to take all, because the bricklayer wanted to make sure that all the windows are replaced but with aluminum, etc. And so we're still staying there, and God made provision for that. Here's the part. So now we had finances, and we started to work. Now you know how expensive building material is let alone the labor and everything else that comes with it. But there came a time we had some configurations made around the house, and with the gentlemen that I mentioned, like Johan and Godfrey, who's really been amazing to support us and to give ideas and thoughts and, and, and make it work. And most so Godfrey with his hands-on skills. It so happened that we now got to a point with one of the facilities that we needed roof sheets. Now, I'm saying this to you because I don't have enough time to talk through all the other stuff that was given and donated and things that God gave us um, financially, a good stewardship. We were able to get it for a good price and use that money to do stuff again, be that as it may. But here's the one testimony. So we worked out the cost of what the building material would be for the roof structure. And we looked at it and we said, Lord, we can do this in parts. And so we did it. But now we got to the part where we must put the roof up. And there was a understanding I wanted a certain grade of material. And, you, you know, you're living in Musenberg. You can't just go and cheapy because it's going to rust and all of that. So you have to think through all these things. 
And then I found a good supplier, and on the day we were going to go and pay for it and uh, go and collect it, he sends me a message, and the supplier said, It'll, um, it's all sold. We don't have that material anymore that you were looking for. Oh, I thought, Lord. Anyway, I spoke to Godfrey. We prayed about it. We literally did. And we just left it. So every week and every time, you just keep on looking at costs because you're trying to bring the cost down because it's quite an expensive exercise. And Godfrey said to me one day, he said, it'll go talk to your neighbor. They're clearing off the, because they're also building right next door on my, our side, and they're building up a garage. He said, just talk to them about the material they're using, and if they're not going to use it, we can use some of that and repurpose it. Great. I spoke to the neighbor. His son runs a company that does construction work. He said, Errol, when I get some stuff in, I'll let you know. I thought, cool, and we left it there. And so now it's raining, and we want to finish off the space. I got a call on Wednesday, Wednesday evening from my neighbor. And I'm thinking, oh, did we leave the lights on? Did we do something? And we've got good neighbors on both sides because we're good people, you see. <laughs> so it was cool. And so, uh, yeah, and love your neighbor. We've got, really, we have great neighbors. Even though the one side is apostolic and the other one is Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> Hallelujah. Great stuff. Ministry opportunity. You want to come over for a bride? Let's talk to you about Jesus. But anyway, great stuff. Seriously, we've got great neighbors. But I just thought, ah, in the moment he calls me, I'm thinking, ah, oh, what happened now? Because, you know, anyway, he phoned, he said, you know, um, about that material he spoke to him about. My son has made sure that I get material for our roof where we're putting up the structure. We're going to give you the material for the roof for your structure. I'm like, what? He said, yes. And this has been our prayer. Lord, we're trusting you for a miracle. That was the prayer. And then Tracy said, Errol, hold on, you're getting excited, but is there something you must pay towards the material? I said, oh, I didn't even ask. I was so excited to hear, great, we're getting it, but let's do the right thing. And I contacted him and I said, dude, I'm so sorry, I didn't even ask you, um, have you worked out a cost thing? He said, no, there's no cost. And so literally the next day, the morning, we were at Alder's meeting on Thursday morning, that's how I remember. So before Alder's meeting, I'm on the site, and we're busy pulling through the material from the neighbor next door, and what we didn't know. Now, there's a back section and a front section we're busy with. We needed to do the front section as well, and we want to put on polycarbonate. For those who don't know, just Google it, polycarbonate. Um, it's roof sheeting there, there's fiberglass sheeting. And then we wanted to put that in front. We had a beautiful view of Boys Drive, and we want to keep that, you know, aesthetically pleasing. And it so happened, we're unpacking the roofing material, and got to be saying, you know, here's, here's fiberglass material in between. We're like, what? Great stuff. Now we must check out the measurements. So we had elders meeting that day. We come back. There's a three-centimeter width off-cut that is left. Everything fitted perfectly. Perfectly. Here's the part. The roof sheets that is for the front is exactly the size that we need for the front. We don't even need to cut it. Now, I'm saying this to you. This is not about us. This is what God is more than able to do. We've got to keep on trusting him. We've got to keep on believing that he is more than enough. That stirred our faith, and I pray that it stirs your faith. Come, let's stand as we're going to just close and just honor God for what he's doing and honor our time together. Like this song says, you have enough. God gave you enough. You are enough. And the truth is, you have always been enough. Lord, we thank you that you are enough in our lives. You are our source and our provider. 
You are, Father God, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that is our provider. And so today we call out to Jehovah Jireh. We pray for every heart here that is turned towards you. Everyone that is trusting you for a financial breakthrough, for unemployment, for health, Father God, in circumstances and situations. We raise each and every family up to you. And we pray, let your perfect will be done. Lord, you know that this testimony is never about us, but always about you. And we point to you, our source and our provider, that you will take the wealth of the unrighteous and store it up for the righteous. That you will make a way where there seems to be no way. That you will provide our every need. Lord, we're going to keep on trusting. We're going to keep on believing. Even though we walk on this earth, Father God, and we see things happening around us, we will not subscribe to the narrative. We will not speak negatively into our own situations. We will speak positively in the name of Jesus. And so we declare right now in this house that no one will lack in Jesus' name. That out of our abundance we will bless others. We will bless to be a blessing in Jesus' name. In the midst, in the midst of us not having enough, Lord God, according to us, but we will be true to your word. Like a Father God, you've multiplied the loaves and the fishes that you've done it a Father God before and you will do it again. And so we honor you for this morning. We pray that as we step out of here with full faith of understanding who you are, you are more than enough. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week. For those who would like prayer, please come forward. We will be assisting you. There will be people who will be praying with you. God bless you. Enjoy your lunch today. Amen. 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 Amen.